It's good to be here at this place. I've been here a lot of times. Um, maybe you didn't even know I was here, and then I was here, and then I left, and then I came back. But my greatest joy is being able to come every week for the last semester, two semesters actually, Carolyn, twice a week, and just love on these students and be loved by these students. And so it's a delight for mine. Pastor Kevin, Devin has been friends of mine for a long time. Pastor Rick, I'm just getting to really know him and excited about it. And, and uh, Sam, I used to call him Cliff, and he never told me his name wasn't Cliff. And so uh, I don't know why I did that. And for like almost six months, he was Cliff to me, but Sam to the rest of y'all, and he didn't even care about it. And my daughter-in-law, Megan, corrected me and said, that's not his name. And I said, yes, it is. And she said, I'll prove it. And she proved it. And uh, I wasn't happy about that either. And so uh, that's okay. Will you stand with me tonight as I go to the book to read from the book? So I bless Pastor Kevin on his break and all of those and Pastor Richie and so many names to call and so many friends that I've seen in this room and uh, so honored to be here tonight and thankful for what I think God's about to do in this place. I'm conscious of time. Um, I'm also conscious of God's presence. So we'll let God's presence do what God wants to do in the room tonight, and I don't think I'm going to belabor it. I'm just going to try to deliver what I think God's given me and let him touch your heart. More importantly than hearing from me tonight is hearing from God. Amen? It's true. More importantly than hearing from me tonight is getting to the place that you connect with what God is saying so that you're able to take it with you when you leave here, and that's the most important thing. I'm going to read four passages of Scripture, actually five or six passages of Scripture, and then I'll let you be seated if you want to in just a minute, but remain standing. Joshua chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. Joshua 7, 24 and 25. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, all that he had, they brought them to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you on this day. Flip on over to Joshua chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 22. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave. Bring out those five kings to me from the cave. Let's go over to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to begin with verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Go over to Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 10, and then I'm going to read verse 16. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, and verse 16. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was custom since his early days. Verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, 
whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I could stop and preach right there, but let me read one more. Let's go over to the New Testament, ground this word in the New Testament. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Heavenly Father, in this house tonight are your children. I am one of them. We need you. We need to hear from you. I pray in the next few minutes, Lord, that you would open up our lives, our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Open us up, Lord, like we have never been opened. And then fill us like we have never been filled. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Just remain standing one more time. Do me a favor. Now, this is going to be interesting because you'll be the determining factor as to when you want to sit back down. Come on. What I want you to do is I want you to take the biggest inhaling of air that you can take, or when I say do it, and then I want you to hold your breath as long as you can hold it. Now, if you think you're not going to be able to hold your breath any longer, go ahead and exhale and take a seat. You ready? Everybody ready? Just, I'm going to be talking while you're in holding your breath, and I'm just going to keep talking, but y'all, y'all do this with me. Let's see how it goes. On the count of three, inhale really deep and hold the air inside. One, two, three. You know, it's estimated that the human body can manage about three days in extreme cold or extreme heat before that human body passes. It's estimated that the human body can take probably anywhere from three to four weeks, maybe five weeks without any type of nutrition. Now, there are other cases that would say some have went as much as one to three or four months, but those are rare. It's also estimated that the human body can live for about three to four days without any kind of water or liquid that comes into that body. But it's also estimated that the human body, after about three minutes without air, would be headed to a danger zone. You better sit down before you get to the danger zone, okay? Thank you. Tonight, I'm going to take three passages of Scripture that seem incredibly abstract from one another, hopefully in the next few minutes, pull them together, and then give an invitation for all of us to respond to what God's doing. Let me let you know this now in case you want to gracefully leave. I'm going to invite and ask everybody in the building in a few minutes to come down to the front of this church and forgive that little little voice that creeps out every once in a while, but this church, and we're going to come down, the worship team's going to come up, before you go get your kids, we know you got to go get them, it's okay, and we're going to have a declaration moment before we leave this house on what God's about to speak to you in this house. Anybody ready for that? Yeah. See, sometimes it's easy for us to want to see it from a distance, but then when we get to the place that we get close enough to experience it, something transforms and changes the atmosphere that we went to. 
that God can do really cool stuff. If I was a pastor, I one time was not a pastor, but I preached at a church several times, and I threatened that the next time I preached, I'm going to preach from the back of the building because the people who sat at the back seat would be on the front seat, and it would be the coolest thing. You know what, Sam? I never tried it, but I thought it would be a good idea, right? So get ready in a few minutes. We're going to invite you to come down. Why is this important, William? Why does it matter? Well, I think it matters because what I think God's about to speak to us is to remind us that the reality is you can't live on buddy breathing for the rest of your life. Now, I was a little nervous when I got the invitation to come here, and I'm a little bit more nervous now that I'm actually standing here. And I'm not nervous because of you. I'm nervous because I know that if I've ever had a word from heaven, tonight is the word. But the reality is, it's not my word, it's his word, and he wants to speak it to you. You can't live on buddy breathing forever. It's not possible. We'll talk about that in just a minute. How many of you are proud of you because you actually, you were almost three and a half minutes, dude. I mean, you were headed to brain damage, right? It's like at four minutes, something happens and clicks up in there, and all of a sudden, you're done, or either you're in the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, you can take your pick. I don't know, but I'm proud of you for doing that. Let's go to Joshua. Let me give you this story. Let me unpack it. You know the story. Moses died. Joshua is now going to take the lead. He's taking these children of Israel. He's moving them further and further and closer and closer toward the Canaan until they're going to get to this promised land that had been promised to his spiritual father. And now he is actually the one who has stepped into the responsibility of taking these people where God wanted them to go. Bear in mind, God is not a determining factor. Age is not a determining factor on your level of maturity. Your obedience is the determining factor on your level of maturity. And my definition of obedience is that there is no lapse time between God speaking it and my willingness to do it. Now, it may take six months, it may take 10 years, it may take 15 years before I actually see it come to pass, but at the moment God speaks it, I'm willing to do it, and that's obedience. Joshua was a guy that really had seen everything there was to see about the promises of God in his early life. Everything between wandering around in an aimless place to being raised in the wilderness to being trained and taught and equipped by his spiritual father, much like what many of you have in this house. But there was something that happened in his life, and what happened in his life is he understood that there was something bigger than what he saw with his natural eye. Hang on. This is pretty big, right? This is a pretty good place. If you're part of this church, you're part of an incredible global network. I don't go to this church. I don't go to the one in Cleveland. I go to the one I've been going to for a very long time. I love it. I'm thankful. I'm still there. But I'm going to give you a little secret. If I was looking for a church, this would be on the top list to pick one. I'm telling you, you're in a blessed place. But sometimes the curse in the middle of the blessed place is we forget the reality that it's not just about coming here to get what you get here. It's about coming here to celebrate your wins during the week. Now, hang on. Joshua, he goes, 
He steps into the role of Moses after Moses is passing. He's stepping in as the leader, and it's very clear. I'm going to give you all of the ground in which your feet step upon everywhere you tread. All of it is going to be for my kingdom cause, and you're going to win the battle. Interesting to me. Now, don't get lost in all of the blood and guts and gory stuff in this passage and all of these scriptures. 31 kings lost their life. You understand something? God does not tolerate rebellion or idolatry. His nature will not allow him to do that. He can't do that. It's not possible. It's not that he just doesn't want to. He just can't do it because it's not him. What if we quit doing things that were not him so that we would better understand when we do things that are him, they would not seem so foreign to us? That's for all the people that aren't here tonight. You should have laughed right there. Joshua chapter 7 gives us this incredible image of this guy who disobeyed the word of Joshua when they went and they actually, he took the spoils, all the stuff, took it to his house, hid it under his tent. You know the story. And the reality is at that point, they lost the battle. When they lost the battle, they cast the lots. It gets on this guy Achan. He loses his life, his family. Everybody pays the price. Did you know that maybe you don't think this but somebody else is going to pay the price of your action every single time. You mentioned Tyler and Megan, Everly and Elijah, Nick and Caitlin, Grant, Ben and Lexi, my wife, Angela. Every decision I make affects that particular family. It affects you. All of our decisions affect all of us. But this passage in Joshua chapter 10, 22 kind of brings me to this realization that what God's really wanting us to understand is that in order to do what God's called us to do, we've got to set some things in order to stop some stuff that doesn't need to be happening that continually keeps us from doing what God's wanting us to do. Let me have you understand this by explaining this one passage. He says, open up the mouth of the cave and bring out those five Kings to me. You know the story very quickly. Gibeonites made a treaty. Joshua honored the treaty. The other five kings were coming together and they said, We're going to go down. We're going to take Gibeon. We're going to get this. And all of a sudden, Joshua says, He gets the word and he goes down and they defend. And those five kings of those armies recognize they're about to lose. So what they do is they scoot off into a cave and they find themselves seated into a little cave and they're pretty comfortable in the cave. Don't know what the popping is. I guess I better get up. It might be in my back pocket, it's popping, but it's okay. And so that might have been what they felt like. They might have heard some thunder that day when they stepped in that cave and realized my life is about over if I don't go hide. You know what the devil will do to you? He'll put you out into the middle of the place and then he'll leave you hanging out there all by yourself. These five kings, they go in here. All of a sudden, they get word to Joshua. Hey, the five kings, we found them in the cave. Now here's what Joshua says. Put a rock in front of the cave. Get this. Did you know that some of us, when we find where those five kings are, we're going to go and we're going to deal with those five kings. But what Joshua is saying is you need to continue to march on the city that I've given you. And you need to continue to deal with what I've told you to deal with because we'll deal with the kings when we get back to them. Hold on. He did not get distracted in the battle. He continued where he needed to go. 
And then he gets back and he said, okay, we're coming back. And he says, bring the five kings to me. They bring those five kings out. They stand in front of him. You know the story. Then he calls the men of Israel. They come and he said to them, the leaders, he said, put your foot on the neck of that king. And when you do that, what I want you to do is to recognize that you are defeating the king, but I will slay him. God will slay Whatever you put your foot on to tell the devil you're finished with this, you're going to confess it, you're going to admit it, you're going to say, God, you can have it, and God say, I can destroy it, but you've got to give it to me. Amen. Now, I like that passage. It's really cool. We'll come back to it, Daniel. Don't you love the story of Daniel? Daniel's kind of an interesting guy, right? Daniel's this guy that... Um, you know, interesting, he and his three friends, we would often call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me give you a holy caution. Don't call them by that name because that was the name that the world was trying to give them. Call them by Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the name that God had given them. Stop letting the world identify and define who you're supposed to be and say, I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm empowered by the power of the spirit and I stand today in victory and authority Daniel and his three friends young boy at the age of 15 years old they said Chapter 1, verse 8, he said, I don't want part of that because that's not who I am. That's not on my diet. I'm on a different diet than your own. Oh, my goodness. The world. Let me tell you something. Christians who get caught into the world clutter, they think that the world wants to see them acting like the world. I'm telling you, God says, I have set you apart. I have chosen you. I have anointed you. I have plucked you from the world that you might be a light to them. Interesting passage in Daniel over chapter 6. A few years have passed between Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 6. As a matter of fact, it's 80 years now. He's about 82 years old. And two other kings, Belshazzar and, and, and uh, Nicodemus, and all of a sudden, not Nicodemus, who was it? My mind just went completely blank. Who was the, the first? Nebuchadnezzar. There you go. Thank you. Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Now he's dealing with Darius. And Darius in chapter 6, verse 16, he recognized the God in Daniel. Hear me. Does the world recognize the God in you? Do they recognize the God in you when you're in here? Absolutely. But do they recognize the God in you when you walk out of here? You know, sometimes I think church folk want to hide when they leave church like the worldly folk want to hide when they leave in the bar. I'm just thinking out loud. At least we get in the car and we drive two miles and we no longer can look in our rearview mirror and we can't see where we just came from. And it's like all of a sudden the glory just vacates out of where we are. God doesn't want that, folks. He wants the glory to be so overwhelming and full in you that wherever you go and everywhere you trek, people will see him. Joshua was one who obeyed what God had promised. And it actually says that 31 kings were killed, but more were, king by, more were killed by the hailstorm than by the sword. 
Daniel and his three comrades made a decision at 15 years old that they would not defile themselves so that when they're 82 years old, he can stand and say, oh, even though the decree has been declared, I am not afraid. I will go to my house and I will kneel on my knees and I will look to Jerusalem and I will look to the hills from which cometh my help and I will proclaim Jehovah as Jehovah as I have done every single day day of my life. Amen? Let's go to Luke. Interesting passage. This old boy, you know the story. I love Tyler, and I know y'all love Tyler, but if Tyler came to me and said, give me what's mine, I'm kind of vacating the house. I'm not going to be part of the family no more. I'm doing what I want to do. That'd be a real problem to me, Sam. I'd have a real issue with that. It's yours, but now ain't the time, son. You can have this house, you can have this car, you can argue with your two brothers about it, you can take whatever you want. You're the only one that wears the clothes I wear, you don't like them anyway, so you're not going to wear them. But you know, you're close to getting your stuff. This boy said, no, 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 I think I can handle it better than you can, Dad, so give me all my stuff. And he gets all of his stuff, and he leaves, and he goes about his way. Here's what's interesting to me. The eye of the Father never quit looking down the road for the Son. The eye of the father never quit looking down the road for his son. The heart of the father never quit beating for the hunger of the reunion with his son. I know some of y'all pray for family members that are lost and if we're not careful, we can get so weary because we have prayed for so many years and we don't see anything happening. I'm telling you, don't stop praying for them. Worship team, come on, get ready. We're not done yet, but just come get ready because I need to preach for about eight more minutes and then we're gonna have a song and declaration and we're gonna ask God to do something really awesome in this place, but... Let me help you understand what I think I'm seeing in the parallel of these three passages. You got Joshua, you got Daniel, and you got a father of a prodigal son. There's other characters played out in all three of these, but in all three of these, what you also have is you have the reality that these three people and all of those that are associated with them had to have what we call breath to be able to survive. Now hang tight. Put that picture up for me, guys. I love these two pictures. You can't buddy breathe forever. So I'm a diver. I've only dove in one really cool place, which was Honduras, and I was down about 72 feet, and it was about, 72 degrees, and it was wonderful. And I've dove in quarries where you don't know what kind of creature's in there. And that joker, I remember I was swimming one time through the quarry, and a big old brown tart kind of brushed my leg, and I began to swim faster and faster and faster, which is not the goal of scuba diving. Because I thought something was going to get me while I was there. I remember as a chaplain being suited up when we went down in the Okoe for a body search. And I was the next diver to go in if the first diver got fatigued or couldn't find the body. I also have memories of 16 years of serving 
as a chaplain with Bradley County Fire Department, a volunteer fireman. This is my son in the picture, my middle guy. But one of the things that I like, when I like diving with Nick, because I know that Nick's going to take care of his daddy. But if you know anything about scuba diving or wearing a SCBA on the back of a turnout gear that gets about 115 degrees because you're going to go into some burning something to do something, these two pictures give two complete different frames of reference. This one over here is for fun and pleasure and enjoyable, unless a shark gets you in the water. And this one over here is a determining factor of someone's life or death. And in this room tonight, I think we're in the same place. Church can become so pleasurable and fun and almost amusement-like and almost like one more great, awesome ride. But when you drive out of this parking lot, it's really about life or death. You see, there's a thing called buddy breathing when you've got either one of these packs on. And buddy breathing means that at any point that my comrade that's with me needs to breathe, I can give him the secondary breathing apparatus and give him a little bit of a boost until we can both get to safety. But I breathe heavier than Nick does. So I remember we were training and going through all of our certifications and we were down and he would take his regulator out of his mouth and give it to me and hold his breath underwater and I'd breathe. But I can't breathe at the calmness that Nick breathes so I can't stay down as long in the water as he can. Where are you going, William? God's called every one of you to be a Joshua. Every one of you, step out from the wilderness and go where I'm taking others because you can lead them there. He's called every one of us to be a Daniel. Don't cower to the decrees that have been signed around you. Get up from where you are. Go to that sacred place and bow down before me and I'll meet you there. But the world is always inviting every one of us to be a prodigal and kind of enticing us in the process because if he can suck the air out of us then we're lifeless Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life man became a living soul. Go back to that picture for me. In every one of these, in these two pictures on the screen, this is what I know. You never dive alone and you never go into a fire alone because you got to have somebody there with you in case something goes wrong in you. Isolation is not your friend. And it's real easy, church. Matter of fact, won't you just stand with me and everybody that will come on down the front of this building. Come on, worship team, get ready to sing something. I don't know what you're going to sing, but I'd like for you to bankrupt hell and populate heaven with it. 
Y'all not afraid of good music here. Just come on down. Everybody just come on down. It's Wednesday night. Well, you might have to get my kids in six minutes, yeah? But come on down. Just push it on in. Why, William? Why do you want us to do this? Well, I'll tell you when you get here. Come on. All across the front. Nobody in the aisles. You got plenty of room to fill. I've seen y'all at Ruach. Y'all crawl into the front. Come on. We got plenty of room. At Ruach, y'all just trying to get stand up somewhere back about middle way. So just come on. Maybe you're in this room tonight and you've never given your heart to Jesus. When they start singing and we start celebrating, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you and say, hey, can you lead me to the Lord? Why you say that, William? Because here's the reason why. Because if God's will is done, more leading people to Jesus is going to take place in your everyday living than in your weekly celebration here. There's people that will never get to this building, but they'll get to the access of where you are and they'll get close to you. And as you're able to bring them to the knowledge of the Christ, their life can be changed. You see, buddy breathing is only for the emergency situation, not a style of diving and not a style of rescuing and looking for people in a fire. It's there because when I'm crashing, my friend who has access to air will help give me some. You know, Rick, one of the most horrible things that I've ever had to deal with in my 16 years of chaplaincy is suicide. And most suicides are reflected or related somehow to COPD. COPD is a horrible disease because it makes you think you're suffocating inside of your own body. We're going to sing a song of proclamation in just a minute. And I need you to be willing to say this. If you came into this room and you know that when you leave, you're going back to the same place, even though you exercised and got out of your seat and you walked forward, but that same hell on earth is going to meet you when you walk out of this door. I'm going to tell you, God can give you the authority to say open up the cave and bring the five kings out of the darkness of my bedroom or out of my phone or out of my car or out of my family relationship or out of my house or out of my work and you can bring all of those kings out. Put your foot on the neck of that which chokes you and choke it out and let God deal with it. Will you lift your hands with me in this building? Come on, worship team. I'm going to pray one prayer. When I finish this prayer, I want these guys to start celebrating. And I want you to start praying and celebrating right where you are and say, God, open the cave of my heart. Bring stuff to my mind. Remind me where I am. I want to be a Daniel. I want to be a Joshua. I want to be full of your power. But God, I got to give you this stuff tonight. You can take it. You can handle it, Lord. Father, I pray that in this room right now, you would put fresh breath in our spiritual life, Lord, just like you did in our natural body to bring us to a place of living. I pray, God, that every person in this room, wherever they go when they leave here, I pray, Father, that they will carry about them the power of God so strong that others would want to experience right there wherever they are not waiting for a Sunday not waiting for a Wednesday not waiting for a church gathering but wherever they are Father 
they can carry that gospel and people's lives will be changed. Devil, you're a liar. You lose in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Worship, celebrate, make the declaration. Let God proclaim it in you and out of you to a broken world.